Welcome to GMFC Studios, God's production company. Praise the Lord, everybody. Happy Father's Day. Here we are, it's Father's Day 2023. I wish I could remember the joke that I had heard. I think I've shared this before with the body of Christ. Um, about Father's Day, the holiday, and kind of where it rates um, in the listing of holidays. And um, it's typically, according to the joke and according to things that people say and see, uh, not one of the most celebrated in the sense of it's not at the top of the list. But fathers are vital to the success of families. So I just want to take a moment this morning and wish all of the fathers out there, a very happy Father's Day. And I hope that today you're celebrated for the amazing father, example, uh, provider, protector that you are and have been. Thank the Lord for you. I thank the Lord for my own father who's no longer with us, who is now sitting in heaven enjoying the reward of life and his faithfulness to Christ. I miss him greatly. Now the day goes by that I don't think about him and wish that I could have had more, but I thank God for the time that he allowed us to share together as father and son, growing up under his direction, under his love, under his care, his protection, his wisdom, even into the days when I became a father myself and him still trying to be there as best he could. I thank God for him. He was an amazing man. So dad, I say to you, happy Father's Day. And to all the other men that have stepped in to be a father figure in my life, men like William Page, uh, Edward Schaus Sr., Thomas Burns, great men who have tried to be that father at least to me, I just want you to know that I love you and I appreciate you and I thank God for everything that you've done to try to enrich my life and to make me a better father to my own sons and hopefully for them an example so that when they have children, they too would also be good fathers. As I was thinking about fathers and you know, trying to figure out what it is that I would say today and you know, I'm not really a holiday-style preacher. I don't typically preach the holiday, but something kept burning within me to talk about fathers today. I don't want to take up too much of your time because I know that fathers, even on Father's Day, you have to go work in the sense that you're either working a normal job or if you happen to have the day off, you're probably standing in front of a grill cooking your own meal. <laughs> but we know fathers do it best. But it was, I was just thinking and talking to the Lord about the qualities of a father. What makes a good father, according to Scripture? And then I started to think, who could be the earthly father of Jesus? And we don't really hear or see too much about this in Scripture unless you're really specifically looking for it. And I thank the Lord that he opened my heart and my mind to see some of the things that he himself looked for as he uh, 
you know, looked across the earth. Now, the Bible tells us he found Mary, the mother, the woman that would be the mother of Jesus here in the earth. And we thank God for her and, and the amazing story that she is. But there is another component that God was focused on, not just who would be the good mother, but also who would be a good father. Who could be the father, the earthly father to Jesus? I'm going to read a few scriptures for you uh, as we open this up this morning. Uh, turn with me in the word of God to the book of Matthew, the first chapter. I'm going to read. I read out of the King James Version, um, but I'll read for you hearing the 18th through the 25th verse. Matthew 1, 18 through 25. And the word reads, Now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise. When as his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privily. But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife. For that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost, and she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Now all of this was done, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child, and she shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted, is God with us. Then Joseph, being raised from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him, and took unto him his wife, and knew her not till she had brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus. Move on over to the second chapter of the book of Matthew, and I want to read the 13th and the 15th. And I'm building a foundation, a scriptural foundation for what I want to talk to you about today. Matthew 2, 13 through 15. And when they were departed, behold, the angel of the Lord appeareth to Joseph in a dream, saying, Arise, and take the young child and his mother, and flee into Egypt, and be thou there until I bring thee word. For Herod will seek the young child to destroy him. When he arose, he took the young child and his mother by night, and departed into Egypt. And was there until the death of Herod, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Out of Egypt have I called my son. Let's drop down to the 19th through the 23rd verse of the same uh, chapter. But when Herod was dead, behold, an angel of the Lord appeareth in a dream to Joseph in Egypt, saying, Arise, and take the young child and his mother, and go into the land of Israel. For they are dead which sought the young child's life. And he arose and took the young child and his mother and came into the land of Egypt. But when he heard that Archelaus did reign in Judea in the room of his father Herod, he was afraid to go thither. Notwithstanding, being warned of God in a dream, he turned aside into the parts of Galilee. And he came and dwelt in a city called Nazareth that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophets. 
He shall be called a Nazarene. Now, as I opened up today, I reminded everybody, in case some of you forgot, that today is the day that we celebrate fathers. Many fathers across this country are going to receive gifts and, uh, you know, they, they may be taken out to dinner or they may be asked to be that grill master that they are. And they're going to be told how much they mean to their families. And this is absolutely, you know, awesome. And this is something that should most definitely be done. But there are also many who will not get this accolade. There are many families who would love to show this type of love and recognition, but there is no father present to show it. My hat goes off to all the single parent homes across this country because I know it is not easy to be both mother and father. This is not what God intended from the foundation of the world when he established what we call family. You see, God's intention was that the family would be constructed so to include a mother a father and children now single parent families I, I, let me just encourage you because God's word teaches us when my father and mother forsake me the Lord will lift me up so I want to talk today just briefly or you, you know my definition of brief may not necessarily fit your definition of brief but I'm going to get out of your way as soon as I can I promise you I won't say more than God has told me and I'll shut up when God is done talking. I began to ponder this question as I was studying and wondering what it is that I would talk to you about today. This question that I've seen the answer to but maybe could not necessarily define. What makes a good father? Then I realized as I was thinking about what makes a good father that God he needed to find a man who would be a good father to his only begotten son. And he searched the earth and he found such a man. Now often the story of the birth of Jesus is overshadowed by Mary's part in it, but God was looking for both a mother and a father for his son. Joseph gets overlooked often, but it is important for us to understand that God did not overlook Joseph. So neither should we overlook Joseph. But take this opportunity to learn to see in Joseph what God saw in him to allow Joseph to become the earthly father of the Savior of the world, the very begotten of God himself. Now, Father has two roles, two basic general foundational roles. The first is to provide the seed for the birth of a child. No woman can produce a child unless seed be sown. And this is the case, and this was done by the power of Holy Ghost, resulting in the miracle birth of Jesus. But the other role is that of raising the child, raising that which was produced of seed, Joseph would not be needed for the conception part, the sowing of the seed, but God would use him in the raising of his son. And I believe it is very important that we examine the qualifications and the character of Joseph so we can begin to understand the wisdom of God's choice while at the same time teach ourselves what God is looking for 
in a father. Ephesians 5 and 25 says, Husbands, love your wives even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. Now the first thing God had to find is a man who would love Mary just like Christ would love the church. Now think about this for a second. The plan of God was to impregnate Mary without the help of Joseph. Mary is betrothed to Joseph. That means given over in marriage uh, to Joseph. She's in that period before the actual marriage takes place. But we call it today the engagement period. So Mary is betrothed to Joseph. And if Joseph was not the, the physical father of Mary's child, then he had certain rights to uh, issue a decree of divorce from their engagement. Now, of course, in our current culture and in the way we do things today, there would not be a need for a divorce in an engagement. You would just break off the engagement. And um, if you, you had given a, a ring that, you know, was kind of, you know, like a, a rock, a big, you know, cost you a little bit, you might try to get it back. But what I've learned from talking to other people who have been down that path, the engagement may break off, but that ring never seems to make it back into the hands of the man. But anyway, that, 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 I digress. That's a whole other story. You see, in Old Testament times, this was the cause actually for the act of stoning. If there was a reason to break off the engagement connected with the infidelity of your, uh, of your wife who was espoused to you. So here we are in today's climate and uh, the woman that you have fallen in love with informs you that she's pregnant and you know it's not yours. Now, of course, in today's society, for some men and women, this may not be readily known without a DNA test after the birth, but this is a lesson for another time. In other words, I'm talking about premarital sex, but we'll talk about that another day. So Joseph knows that the baby isn't his. He recognizes this because it's clear in Scripture that Joseph did not know, as Scripture puts it, he did not know Mary in that way. And we know that that, that is referring to intimacy. So it's almost like a Maury Povich episode and the announcer reveals who the real father is. What would you do today? Well, God knew, knew the true love that Joseph had for Mary, a love that includes sacrifice. Let me just give you a sidebar for a moment, men, husbands, fathers. The sacrifice is a part of love. It is a necessary component in love. You cannot love without experiencing sacrifice. Joseph had this kind of love for Mary, a love that included sacrifice. And this is an amazing example to us today. For the most part, many would be like, you know, two fingers, dude, I'm out of here. This is not, you know, what God was looking for. You see, love demands sacrifice. Joseph gives a great example of love here. Joseph was thinking about putting away, you know, Mary to, uh, you know, send her off privately, not to make a big spectacle of it. He loved her. He wasn't going to stone her, even though in that custom and culture, that was his right to do. He, he loved her and he understood that um, she's now pregnant, but he still loved her. 
So he was sacrificing his right to take more drastic measures and allow her to just kind of go away on her own, to keep it really much on the down low so that she would not be discredited. And this was done before the revelation was given to him that whom she was pregnant by was the will of God and for what purpose that, that uh, impregnation came. You see, fathers need to know this kind of love that despite what it might appear to look like to others, they will bite the bullet for the one that they profess they love. There's another important thing to notice here. Joseph would also need uh, to love a child who is not of his own loins and not love that child separately or differently than he would someone that was of his own seed. And we see this plainly in the fact that Joseph protected Jesus from Herod, taught Jesus uh, his own trade of carpentry, adopted Jesus as his own son, and treated him no differently than his other children. God's word declares this in 1 Timothy 5 and 8, but if any provide not for his own, and especially for those of his own house, he hath denied the faith and is worse than an infidel. The charge here in scripture is clear, and Joseph demonstrated his uh, complete compliance to scripture. 1 Peter 4 and 8, above all things have fervent charity among yourselves, for charity Charity shall cover a multitude of sin. A person who truly loves cannot be critical, judgmental, or censorious. The person who loves will not talk uh, or criticize or gossip. He will get alone with God and pray about the problem just like Joseph did. Galatians 6 and 1, brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fall, ye which are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. You see, Jesus' birth necessitated a special revelation. You see, what Jesus, or rather, what Joseph was doing while he thought on these things, as scripture says, Joseph did just what he should have done. He got alone with God to think and to pray through the predicament that he was in. And because of his godly dependence and obedience, God met him at the point of his need. God gave Joseph, gave Joseph a special revelation. And fathers have to learn this trait if they're going to lead their families well. Stop jumping at the first thing that pops into your head. Get alone with God. You can't find God's purpose if you don't seek God out. When you seek God out, you will find him and he will reveal to you what his purpose is. Now we find God's purpose for Joseph was foretold. It was foretold to give assurance to Joseph. So when the angel called Joseph, thou son of David, Joseph was shocked. He was uh, awakened to a glorious call, a purpose in himself that he didn't even recognize. He was chosen by God as a son of David to be the earthly father to the son of David, the Messiah. Now, all Jews knew the prophecy that said the Messiah was to be of the line of David. 
So Joseph knew them as well. He knew this prophecy. But to hear himself addressed as Joseph, thou son of David, quickened his attention and alerted him to an extremely important message that was getting ready to come. It indicated to some degree a divine call on the life of Joseph. Remember, Joseph was only a humble carpenter. Second, that came to guide Joseph. And third, uh, to explain the predicament uh, that he was in, to reveal the destiny of the promised child. Now, we know that Joseph was a just man because the Bible says so. And being a just and godly man, Joseph gets alone with God. He shares his thoughts with God. He probably wept like a child, pouring out his soul to God. I've often uh, wept when facing terrible trials in life, and I would go before God trying to figure out, you know, the proverbial question, why me, Lord? But here's the wonderful blessing, Hebrews 4, 15 through 16. For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. James 5 and 13 tells us, Is any among you afflicted? Let him pray. Is any merry? Let him sing psalms. Psalms 91 and 15 says, He shall call upon me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. Isaiah 65 and 24 declares, And it shall come to pass that before they call, I will answer. And while they are yet speaking, I will hear. Now, Jesus' birth demands a father who would have a great level of obedience. Very simply, state, very simply, uh, I can state to you today, Joseph obeyed God. This is an amazing quality trait that's necessary for the success of a man who would be a father. His ability to obey God. Despite the predicament that he was in, despite the appearance of things, Joseph still obeyed God. He did exactly what God told him to do. Now imagine to yourself how difficult it must have been. Here's Mary, she's pregnant, yet there were no, uh, they were not married yet at this time. Gossip, you know that ugly G word, how much gossip was going on. What did the neighbors think? What did Joseph and Mary tell the neighbors? Would people believe the story of angels and of a virgin birth from two people whom they knew so well? What kind of situation was this? Yet Joseph still does exactly as God demands, despite everything that they're facing. And there's a lesson for great obedience on the part of every believer in this. If fathers are expecting obedient children, then fathers have to live a life of obedience as an example. Let me say that again for you. If you want your children to be obedient, you must live and exemplify obedience in and of yourself. Too often we demand more from our children than we demonstrate in front of our children. We want our children to do what we say, but not what we do. You see, your children will reflect what they see in you sooner or later. Your children actually become a mirror and they begin to reflect the things that you have imparted in them. 
Now, because of the chaos theory, the worst things uh, are most often reflected first. But as children develop, they will begin to develop the best things that they see in you. What are our fathers showing their sons? It is reflective in the absence of fathers in the homes across this nation. Real men need to stand up and lead their families, not run from the cost of having a family. Joseph demonstrated the will to go against the grain and allow God's direction to rule his heart rather than the direction of his pride, his anger, or his flesh. Galatians 6 and 1 again. Brethren, if any man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such an one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. Ephesians 4 and 2 comes along with all lowliness and meekness, with long-suffering, forbearing one another in love. And then in the 32nd verse, and be ye kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. Now, Joseph is totally unaware of the danger, but he had been obedient to the call of God. And most, you know, this call of God on Joseph was really a difficult, a difficult call that he had created a, a traumatic predicament for him. Because of his obedience, though, God delivered him from terrible danger. God's expectation of Joseph is actually twofold. First, God expected Joseph and Mary to be obedient without grumbling and murmuring. Joseph and Mary had two good reasons to be discouraged and to grumble. This was God's child. Why did he have to flee anything? Why do I have to uproot myself when I'm carrying the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords? Why I got to move? Why can't, you know, Herod move or something else, you know, happen? Why is it that I have to be inconvenienced? They had to also, uh, they had been, you know, chosen to be very special servants of God. Why would God cause them to go then through so much pain and trauma, so much uprooting, being, um, you know, moved from one place to another, having to move and be persecuted and threatened with death? Why didn't God just take care of Herod? Why couldn't he have just beamed Herod out of there? God expected Joseph and Mary to believe without questioning or doubting. And this they did. Joseph and Mary demonstrate great faith, great trust in God because they acted and obeyed without question. It's an amazing thing. And you hear parents today say this. When I was a child and my parent told me to do something, I didn't ask why. Because I wouldn't be able to finish the I of why. But today, that's all you get. Why? I'm telling you, to, but why? I, 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 I think I need to have a voice. I, I think I need, and, and it's, it's right for me, to share with you what my opinion is of your instructions. Mom or dad. And I think that you should, you know, give me that space to be me. Yeah, not in the Lysath household. But they acted and they obeyed without question. And this is essential for fathers. They must be men of great faith. Are you hearing me, fathers? You have to be a man of great faith. You have to operate based upon faith in God. 
Joseph did this and is that example for us. Mark 11 and 22. And Jesus answering said unto them, have faith in God. Really simple. Have faith in God. So the question that I ask the fathers today, are you willing to go before God as you lead your families? This is a day and we, we enjoy the accolades and we look forward to the celebration and um, some of us like the process of becoming a father. But are you willing to do the things necessary, the things demonstrated by the life of Joseph in being a father? You know, there are a lot of um, people, a lot of men that have sown seed, but they're not a father. They're just donors but they've never been fathers we often are quick to say happy father's day or happy mother's day on on mother's day to men and women who don't deserve that moniker i don't i'm not willy-nilly with praise to people i don't just tell anyone and everyone happy father's day because I know that they sowed seed and a child was produced if they're not doing the things that gives them the right to be called a father. The one that's standing in the gap. The one that's sacrificing. The one that's loving the mother of their children. The one that's obedient to God. The one that has great faith in God, the one that's willing to uproot and uh, mess up their own lives to ensure that their children's lives are okay. The one that will sacrifice everything for the children that they love. These are the things that allow you to be called Father and for me to celebrate you today. God looked and he found Joseph. Joseph had a divine call on his life and fulfilled prophetic utterance to be an earthly father to Jesus. I believe that all fathers have a divine calling. The answer is, is or the question is, is will you answer the call? Will you respond to the divine calling of God to be a father, even as God is a father to us all? Just something to think about as you're standing over your grill and you're pondering at which moment to flip that steak. Now, if you talk to my son, you flip it once and you take it off. If you talk to my wife, you flip it about 30 times until it's pretty much hard and you know it's not moving anymore. But then the father kind of knows the medium in between the two. And he's the one that stands there and flips it just right and serves it perfectly. I salute you today, fathers, who have responded to the call of God. I thank God for you. I celebrate you. And I pray that today your families celebrate you because this is the one day we get outside of our birthdays to be celebrated. God bless you.
Know that I'm praying for you. And I love you. This has been a production of the GMFC Studios. God bless you.